0: welcome to another episode of campus life the college side of the flagship pod here at campus Decanton. as always i am austin and this is colin thanks again for joining us here this week guys um colin sounded like you had some fun with chris moxley on the last show Uh, i I really really enjoyed it uh talking some stats you know getting a little out of your wheelhouse there
1: (laughs) yeah yeah a little bit um you know i think i thought that Bringing one. Well, I wanted to get Chris Moxley on just because we need to get him behind a microphone more often. I mean, every time he's behind a microphone, nothing but great stuff. Uh, So I was I was excited to be able to get get him on, but I mean, he's a stat guy through and through. So you know, I wanted to to talk some stats here. So I did I did my best talking with some stats.
0: Did Did you impress him? Or after the show, was he like, maybe you should just not do that again?
1: um he didn't say that but he was like hey thanks for having me on man i gotta go um yeah and then just left so i don't i don't know um i'm starting to rethink that a little bit actually Mm, i thought it went really well you know i thought we we really hit it off i thought we built a connection we talked a little bit about uh about the expo talked a little bit about poking fun at you but i'm starting to rethink that maybe i don't know i'll have to one of those interact
0: one of those interactions that in hindsight you're like i don't i don't know if that went as well as i thought it did
1: yeah no no, i'm kidding we actually we talked for like 45 minutes afterwards about like just a little bit of everything
0: nice nice i was bummed out i I was driving while you guys are recording i know And i tried to hop i cut it from the the episode Um, yeah but i i tried to hop on and tony reality the tony reality um <laughs> but uh, unfortunately the the service did not cooperate so i was not able to uh to throw a few zingers at chris but next time i'll we'll have to have yeah. him on again just so i can get him
1: yeah strictly yeah strictly for that reason um now
0: nah, nah he's expecting it though
1: <laughs> that's true that's true or you have him on and then i come in
0: there we go there, there's it. the setup there's the setup
1: perfect <laughs> he'll never see it coming you're going to cut this part, right? So he doesn't hear that?
0: Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great. Uh, so just a roadmap for everybody uh, for tonight. We're going to talk a little bit of news. And all of our news is 2022 or beyond, you know, fr- future freshmen uh, d- dedicated to that. Uh, we're kind of past the point here. It's like a dead period. You know, all the transfers have happened. There's not a lot of injury news. You know, people aren't in a camp yet. So that's the news we've got. We're going to start you off with that. We're going to talk a little bit about some players that have uh, benefited the most from the transfer portal uh, and maybe a few that kind of uh, shot themselves in the foot. And then uh, following up on last week's discussion about players that we have none of, we figured it'd be fun to tell you guys a little bit about some of the players that we have a lot of. So that is kind of what is on the docket here for tonight. But first... This podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, the Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast itself. You can follow all of those podcasts on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live. Or you can check out their Friday drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points media group. All right, Colin. Big news dropped yesterday. And I cut away – the U.S. men's national team was playing. I cut (laughs) away to watch this commitment live It's at at 6.30. I was very, very excited. Uh, 2023 five-star quarterback Malachi Nelson – officially committed to Oklahoma. He had been a very hard Oklahoma lean for a while. I think it was pretty much assumed that he was going there, but he finally announced it yesterday, even gave a little horns down for all the Oklahoma fans. So they (laughs) already freaking love him there. Um, He he, number five, number six player total in the class, depending on where you look, Uh, but it's going to come down to him or Arch Manning for QB one in that class. Uh, it really, really is Malachi is my quarterback one in the class Um, Colin, I don't know if you've watched that far ahead to have a list yet,
1: <laughs> man. I've, I don't even have a list. I feel that great about 2022 yet. I mean, I'm probably about 10 deep at each position, so I could give you a top 10, but I'm not too much deeper than that. So we're getting into 2023 guys. Like I'm aware uh, of how good malachi nelson is um i did watch him leading up to this but you know him and, and arch manning and that's about all i got in 2023 i thought you were gonna say i don't even have a very good
0: 2021 list <laughs> I, just I mean i don't know
1: dying. who knows i don't even i might not even have a good 2021 list i it's mean true. i guess we'll see
0: yeah we won't know for a while um that's what makes it so nice about projecting like four years now everyone's gonna forget um what I said. but no, I I stand by Malachi Nelson is the quarterback one in that class. And he's he does not quite he's not quite on the Quinn Ewers level. Um, You know, he's a very, very rare quarterback prospect. But I will say of all the quarterbacks that I've ever watched through high school, he is the most accurate. And it's not Cade Klubnik safe throws everywhere through his tape he is aggressive he takes shots he works the middle of the field he just has very impressive ball placement i think that that sort of thing is going to just translate so well to college he's mobile enough he's going to go to oklahoma to play under lincoln riley i mean if if that has to set him apart from everybody else right the lincoln riley effect the fact that riley wanted him went out and got him and now he's going to be able to sit for a year, presumably behind Caleb Williams, and then take over that job probably in 2024. I know we're talking three years out. This is like (laughs) so abstract, but bear with us here.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, that has to mean something, the Lincoln Riley effect. Um, We've talked about it before, but also the fact that he went out and secured this commitment pretty far in advance. Like, There weren't there were like some loose rumors for him, you know, um, you know, loosely connected to, you know, Bama or Texas at times or some other places. But, you know, for the most part, it was looking like he was going to Oklahoma for, for a while there. And, you know, the fact that Lincoln Riley went out, got him so early, already put his stamp. and like, this is my guy that also bodes well, you know, and then just his, athletic ability, you know, you touched on his accuracy. He also has a very very nice arm. Big time arm. So, you know, I think it's hard to say this now, but like because because he still has to play his you know, junior and senior year um of college or of high school. So it's hard to say it now, but I think he could potentially have the best tools of any quarterback Lincoln Riley has worked with. Um, Spencer yeah. Rattler's up there. Caleb Williams up there too, but overall skill set, I think he may have the best at this point in time again, still early, but
0: yeah. Yeah. And you you just said, you know, it's really early for him to commit just to give you an idea of, of the landscape right now. If you go on the 24 seven composite, it's two years out. So they don't quite have the huge list of guys in the composite yet, but they have a top 20 there. Only one other quarterback in the top 20 is committed and only one other one even has a crystal ball. So that gives you an idea of how early and how much of a priority Lincoln Riley made it to go to California to pluck this kid out of USC's backyard and bring him to Norman. So uh, big things probably coming for him and for Oklahoma. Um, it doesn't look like that 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 run that they are on at quarterback is going to die anytime soon. Uh, speaking of future commits here, Colin, your Penn State Nittany Lions signed another top-skill position guy in this year's class with Katron Allen, um, who was initially a few months ago an Alabama lean, and then they took on Emmanuel Henderson, then they took on Le'Veon Moss. Not a lot of uh, room there for for him, so he looked elsewhere, ended up deciding on Penn State. Uh, He plays his high school ball right now at IMG Academy down in Florida. According to the composite, he is a mid four star number 10 RB in this class. He is my uh, RB five in the class, and he will be competing uh, with fellow classmate Nicholas Singleton, um, who is another high four star kid there um, who they've signed to the 22 class. So Colin, how excited are you about just the momentum that Penn State's building here with these guys?
1: Uh, I'm extremely excited about the momentum that they're building with these running backs here. Now um, with Katron Allen, um, I, like I said, I haven't dove super deep yet about 10 people in, but yeah, he's my running back to right now as well behind Jaden blue. Uh, I think Katron Allen has high, high level patience and processing skills for a high schooler. Uh, I think that that's one of my favorite things about him, which is, one of the reasons that I see, I don't see him really dropping too much for me from two, you know, maybe he drops three, four ish, but you know, I think he's comfortably going to stay inside my top five, um, you know, on top of his athleticism as well. I think that's good. But the thing with Singleton is a little bit the opposite. Singleton's an excellent athlete. Uh, I think the competition level, you know, I know you've expressed a little bit of concern with it. I think it makes it look a little bit better than it is, but I still think you can tell he's a high end athlete. Um, but on the other end of that, he doesn't really show much patience. So these are they're not opposites guys, but they, they, their skill sets aren't, you know, they don't mesh up exactly. So if I could only pick one, it would be Catron. but I do like Singleton and the current guys on the roster aren't really all that exciting for me. I mean, Kane Kane is good. I think Kane has NFL lead back potential, but we need to see that this year It's a make or break year for him. Um, Gavon Lee is good, but I think he's limited as an athlete. And I'm just not really sure how high that ceiling is. So he's not somebody that excites me that much. Devin Ford, pretty explosive, but mostly a returner at this point. Didn't really do much last year. Uh one guy that is actually intriguing to me is Kaziah Holmes. Um, just given his profile coming out, where he was the number five all-purpose back. You know, he's an excellent, excellent athlete, 449, 40, 40 introvert. And you can kind of see that on tape too. Um, but And then coming out, he was 179 pounds and Penn state's website has him at 209 already. So he put on a lot of bulk. Um, And then in the very last game of the year, last year, Zaya Holmes had uh, 12 carries for 77 yards and two touchdowns. And both of those touchdowns came inside the five, but he was hurt this spring. So we didn't really see him. So he's a guy I'm interested in, but beyond that, I think it's a wide open opportunity um, for these guys, you know, going into 2022 really wouldn't surprise me if one or both of them earn significant carries as freshmen.
0: Yeah, I think um, you really nailed it there kind of with the big difference between the two. You know, I, I have the very first line for Catron Allen is that I think he sifts through traffic at a very high level, nice pad level, runs with nice power. I think he is right around a four or five guy, but not elite burst. Right, You know, he, he, he's not a super explosive, um, but nice footwork. Um, so he, he's – this class has a lot of guys that are already NFL-sized athletes at the position. Like if I, if I just pull up my 2022 running back rankings, my top four are Jadon Blue, Branson Robinson, Trevante Citizen, and Nicholas Singleton. They're all above 200 pounds. My tier two is Catron Allen, Le'Veon Moss, Relique Brown, and Terrence Gibbs. Three of the four of them are already above 200 pounds. Like it, it, it's just a big class. Um, and I think in normal years, you know, so these these two guys might've set themselves apart even a little bit more. Um, but, but you know, 5'11", 220, nothing to joke around with. And Singleton, yes, he great burst for the size. Moves well in space, dangerous outside the tackles, violent running motion. So I think this competition is going to be really good. And maybe it turns into a 1A, 1B, because they, they are very, very different backs, even though they're both bigger, bigger backs. Um, but, yeah, prepare those guys with Caden Saunders, uh, Drew Aller. They've got something cooking there. It's a, it's a little bit scary, to be completely honest. Um, I'm really hoping for the other shoe to drop. Something bad happened. Please, 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 please. <laughs> not not injury-related, but, like, you know, something bad. Something bad. Um, <laughs> James Franklin. Maybe he'll leave.
1: I mean, that's. I don't think that's outside the, the realm of possibility. Um, I don't know how many better places. He ends up, but I think that's a possibility.
0: Yeah. But so yeah, regardless there, those two guys, I think you're going to hear a lot about if they both do end up signing uh, just a, a really high end competition between two very good running backs uh, moving forward there at Penn States. Um, all right, Colin. So let's talk a little bit about some transfers here tonight. We've hit on some transfer news here and there throughout the offseason. But now it's time we have, we know where almost everyone is going to end up more or less people we care about are on a team. So let's talk a little bit, just a little bit of a roundup about some of our favorite marriages between player and new landing spot. We didn't restrict ourselves to one quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver. We each just picked three players here um, and we're going to go through and just kind of, give our reasoning as to why we're excited for that to see them in their new location so Colin your first guy is one that we just disagree on and you're just going (laughs) to keep talking about him and I'm going to keep telling you I disagree but Ty Chandler UNC give me the spiel so I can give you my spiel and then we'll just move (laughs) on Uh,
1: well I mean I know it's a guy I've talked about before here um, but I was also struggling to come up with guys that we didn't talk about before because we talked a lot about a lot of guys, and that's kind of a theme that will come up when we get into the all-in. Like I was I was struggling to come up with guys that I didn't talk about, but uh, I, I've laid out the case for Ty Chandler before. I mean, I think that that offense is going to be a very good rushing offense they were last year. They're obviously going to regress, but I still think they're going to be very successful. Uh, UNC returns their entire O-line unit. They have three redshirt seniors on there, two redshirt juniors, very, very expe- Experienced bunch. So they, you know, he should have plenty of running lanes. I think Ty Chandler was good at, um, he was good in Tennessee, you know, split time with Eric Ray. He wasn't anything great. You know, I'm not sitting here and projecting Ty Chandler to be, uh, somebody who is going to be a high level NFL back. I think he's going to carve out a role. I think he's going to make it. He's going to get drafted. But, I don't necessarily know what his NFL ceiling is, but for college, I think he's going to absolutely smash this year. All the reports out of spring are saying that Chandler is going to be the lead back. There's a lot of other guys that we like on that roster. You know, Caleb hood. We like, um, Henderson is another guy there that we like. We like Camaro Edmonds, you know, who hasn't even been on campus really yet, or we haven't really heard anything about yet. Um, and they also have British Brooks. So it is a stable of backs, but I think Chandler is going to be the lead there. I think there's a reason that they brought him in. So I think he's just going to get the bulk of that carries. And, you know, he may not hit the insane numbers of Javante Williams or, um, Michael Carter did last year, but I think he's going to have a really nice year this year. And I think he's a good value at where he's going. I, I've been scooping him up in a lot of places.
0: Like most members of that Tennessee offense the past few years, I just think he's an underwhelming player. He never developed there. You can talk about situation all you want, and that's probably a very fair, you know, critique to throw out about. You know, you've got there's no th- passing threat with Jarrett Guarantano or whatever the heck you say right. behind you. Th- that their teams are not scared of that. At the same time, I also don't think teams were that scared of Ty Chandler. They really had Eric Gray there the past season or two, and that's really all they were scared of i mean chandler probably has some sort of a rule just because the rest of those backs are either freshmen talented freshmen but freshmen or bad so you know if you have to choose between the two buckets but i i and this is my my big thing with him okay if he's not the level of javante and he's not the level of michael carter then does he produce enough for me to want to ever start him on a college roster. And then if he's not going to be a high end, like if you don't think he's going to be anything special in the NFL, then do I give a shit? If he doesn't pro- like, is he the kind of guy that I'm willing to put on my bench because he's going to be so good in the NFL? I, I don't, I don't know. And I think his name is just recognizable enough and just noticeable enough that he goes a little earlier than I want to for a guy that I just fail to see elite upside on either side of a league like i I'm trying when I'm drafting you know I, I know I draft safe but at the same time you know when I'm drafting safe I'm taking Jaden Wally who's going to be a top 10 receiver this year I'm drafting Cole Turner who's probably going to be a top five tight end this year you know th- th- there's there is there is some certainty and and baked in and still there is upside and with ty Chandler i'm just not sure that there's certainty or upside, and that is just why I have zero Ty Chandler.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely fair. But at the same time, though, you said, you know, is he going to produce like Javante Williams? He's not going to produce like Javante Williams. He's not going to produce like Carter. Are you ever going to want to start him? I mean, Javante Williams was the number six running back last year, and Carter was 18. Uh, They both produced over 20.8 points per game. I mean, I don't think he has to produce even at Michael Carter levels. To be a fantasy starter, um, you know, you you start two running backs. I think there's a, a very good possibility that he finishes inside the top 24 running backs on the year.
0: No, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I feel like we should make some sort of bet on this <laughs> since we've hashed this out like three times. We we'll have to come up with something good.
1: We will, uh, right? Man. And uh, like I said, I I was I was struggling to come up with people to talk about. You know, we talk about so many so. I threw this one out here. We rehashed that debate. but All right.
0: Well, well, my first name is going to make Felix really, really happy. And it's not even a guy that I love, but I just think his his transfer was such a slam dunk situationally, situation-wise. I couldn't decide how I wanted to phrase that halfway through that word. (laughs) Um, One of those two. Uh, Jamison Williams, who transferred from Ohio State to Alabama. Um, You know, he really fell behind on that depth chart. The It didn't seem like the Ohio State uh, coaching staff there was particularly impressed with him. I think they viewed him as very much a one-trick pony there, um, to be completely honest. I have not read any, but I, read anything, but if you just look at the other wide receivers on that roster that are much more versatile, I think they just shoehorned him in as, you're going to stretch the field, but you're like our eighth best receiver, so you'll stretch the field sometimes. Like that's If you've got a one-trick guy and then you're going to use him situationally like that, like that, it's a difficult sell for a guy that probably thinks of himself as much, much more. So he transferred to Alabama, which I thought was weird initially. I was like, well, this dude can't even play at Ohio State. He's going to the only school that can rival that wide receiver <laughs> room. But the more, you know, I think we talked through it on this show and we talked through it on Debbie Debate a little bit. He offers something to that Alabama offense that nobody else offers, and that is high end, long speed even some of the freshmen they brought in this year, really the only like Earl and Leary are both fast, but I'm not sure Earl is a burner per se, you know, like he he's fast, but he's also very, very shifty. And I think his, his shiftiness jumps out to me more than the straight line. And then Leary, who's probably not going to play at all this year. They needed a guy to go along with the slate Boldens and the, you know, the Javon Bakers or the Treshawn Holdens or the J.I.E. Halls or whoever, is starting a wide receiver there this year to stretch the field. And I think that he's definitely, definitely going to do that. It sounds like he's happy down there. It sounds like the coaching staff is happy to have him down there, having a well-defined role and being able to do it consistently. You know, last year in six games, he had nine catches for 154 yards. Two touchdowns, so he had almost, you know, like a 20% (laughs) touchdown rate. So, I mean, he's explosive. I'm not sure he's a CFF starter per se um but you know just looking at the totality of what you know he we thought about him s- 3 months ago 5 months ago 6 months ago i think i he has jumped up my rankings and i think he could help himself out significantly especially in the draft stock arena he, if he has a nice year this year you know i could, he could go in the f- the fourth round as a as a deep threat return specialist or something like that so I, I think that he made a smart decision for himself to make that move
1: yeah i mean i think that was a great Decision for him, as weird as this, as weird as it is to say, to go from Ohio State to Bama, like you said, I, I think that was actually a good decision on his part. Because, like you said, it's a very clear, defined role. I think that if he succeeds in that role this year, like you said, he's going to get drafted, even if it is just to play that role in the NFL. Um, so, I think he did himself a lot of favors. Now, fantasy wise, not really sure how interested in him I am. Um, I, you know, I, I don't. I think he could be fine. I don't know if I'm ever going to want to start him on the college side. I don't know if I'm ever going to want to start him on the NFL side. Um, but, you know, not everybody that you drafts is somebody that's going to have NFL potential, and he is somebody that does have that. I do feel pretty good that he's going to get drafted. So if you are you play a bit more of a Devi approach, then, yeah, I think that he's a fine option.
0: And, and just an honorable mention here, because it's – Basically, the same type of player. Mike Woods, the transfer from Arkansas to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. is another guy that I almost put down and, and ended up going with Williams instead because I thought it, it helped him a little bit more because um, Woods was going to feature regardless. But right. those two guys both, I think, you know, speedster, deep threat guys that could help their drafts off significantly. So, uh, just wanted to toss his name out there as well. Colin, number two, who's your guy?
1: Um, and this is another guy that I've talked about a little bit before here, too. So, you're probably getting sick of hearing me talk about him as well. <sighs> but... Uh, it's Tanner Mordecai uh, transferring from Oklahoma to SMU. I don't think there's any any debate in it that he helped himself a ton. And I think he arguably helped himself the most out of some of these transfer quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, he obviously was not going to get any playing time behind Rattler. They brought in... Caleb Williams also was going to jump in. so he was not going to play at Oklahoma. He did not really play at Oklahoma. I think he had like two snaps, like two pass attempts or something low had, like that. He <laughs> had more than that. I watched a whole
0: highlight tip, tape of him at, at Oklahoma okay. a few weeks ago, trying to figure out if I liked Tanner more to Kyrie or not. I came okay. away not. I ex- I had, there was no answer. I had no idea.
1: But I exaggerate. He got in that game where uh, Spencer Rattler got benched this year. Yeah. He, he got more than that. I was exaggerating for effect. Thank you. But wow. anyway, he was, I not, was not impressed. He was not going to see much opportunity at all at Oklahoma. Goes to SMU, a place where they have a, a very good passing attack. They were 13th in passing in 2020. They were 13th in passing in 2019, 27th in 2018. So they're continually you know, a solid passing attack. They just lose Shane Bouchelle to the NFL. So they needed a quarterback. They have uh, Lincoln Riley's brother is the OC there now. So I imagine it's going to be a very, very similar scheme. I imagine Lincoln Riley called his brother up and it's like, Hey, Tanner wants out of here. You guys need a quarterback. Do you want him? That's how it played out in my head. I don't know if it's actually, actually played out, but ends up going to SMU there. And I think that that's a really good situation. They have a lot of nice skill position guys for him. They have Reggie Roberson, Danny gray, Rasheed rice, they have a good running back. So he's not going to need to shoulder a lot of the load. I think he's going to be able to distribute the ball to everybody. I think he's going to play a little bit more of like a Mac Jones type of a role. Um, and he does bring in a threat with his legs. You know, he was the number 11 dual threat. So he has that element to his game where he can use it if he needs to. But, I think he's going to have a really nice year this year for fantasy. You know, Shane Bouchelle was uh, the number 28 quarterback last year, um, you know, on a per game basis. You know, he had averaged just under 24 fantasy points per game, but he put up more than Jaden Daniels, more than Carson Strong, um, more than Keaton Slovis. So you know, I think he's going to be a fantasy relevant options for sure. And he, you know, he goes pretty late. He flies pretty under the radar. He's a guy I'm able to scoop up in a lot of places. So, and he's not somebody that I'd feel comfortable projecting to the NFL yet. Cause, like you said, it's it's so hard to get a read on him from what little's out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, another one we've had the discussion before. Um, I, I don't know who starts there, but he went from having no chance to start to having some chance to start. So, that's at a position where you can only play one guy. So, I mean, that's, that's a step up in itself, right?
1: Right. I mean, I think that Preston stone, if Preston stone starts there this year, I feel like something went wrong for SMU or Tanner Mordecai is just absolutely terrible, which it's the fact that it's like at least close, you know, I think I don't think Tanner Mordecai is terrible or Preston so. stone is the truth. I think Preston
0: you left out a possibility
1: there, sir. It's a good point. It's a good point. I like Preston Stone. He's a guy that, you know, I've been trying to scoop up in a lot of places as well. You know, you had a very, uh very keen tweet earlier today where one of the um few exploitable areas left in C2C is going after quarterbacks that project to be starters on high-end offenses next year. And I think that's Stone perfectly, but I think Mordecai wins the job this year.
0: Yeah. Um, not to dive too deep into like something that's way off the path that we're talking about, but <laughs> but I think the easiest way, especially with how I've been drafting zero quarterback this year, is you can just set yourself up for years with that strategy if you're mm-hmm. smart, you know. Because these guys, you know, if if Keaton Slovis leaves this year, what is Jackson Darts ADP next year? Top thirty? Yeah. And he goes in the ninth round now on average. What is, you know, Preston Stone's ADP next year if he wins the job at SMU? What is uh, Clay Millen's next year or, you know, whoever succeeds Matt Corral? We don't know who it is. So that's a harder one to, to, right. to do because I, I I meant more, you know, the obvious guy that's next. But you, you think about just what is the ADP going to be next year? And it's going to, if it's going to be better than, a, you know, it's going to improve by 70%, then yes, that is probably a guy that you should be stashing. Um, So just, just something to toss out there. Um, So I guess I I didn't realize this when I did this. Uh, I picked another Ohio state transfer wide receiver, uh, Mookie Cooper, who left uh, Ohio state after one year uh, there where he really didn't play at all and is transferring back home to Missouri um, where he uh, played his high school ball. Uh, He was a four-star prospect in the 2020 class, uh, was the number 16 wide receiver, but obviously went in in the same class that uh, included uh, G. Scott Jr., who switched to tight end. He got Julian Fleming, who was the number one guy in that class, and then JSN as well. So it, it was going to be a tall ask for him, and then I think he saw the guys coming in behind him too and was like, yeah, uh, fuck this, I'm out. Um, so did the smart thing, left at the beginning of the offseason, so he had time to go somewhere play through spring with them and get used to the quarterback and get used to the scheme and get in front of the coaches. And he blew them away. You know, he is going to be the guy in that offense, you know, there Matt, Matt Bruning has been right. Two times, at least this offseason, season, <laughs> at least two times. One was the Marvin Harrison one, which he was definitely hundred percent right about. And I've shifted Marvin Harrison up accordingly. The other is on Mookie Cooper, who he said is just going to smash, and I was a little hesitant, and I'm still not 100% sure he gets over 1,000 yards or not. It'll be close um, receiving, but you know he's a dual-threat guy. They want to get the ball in his hands by whatever means possible, sweeps, screens, downfield. He's going to be like – I don't mean to comp him to this player because they are not – he's going to be their, their LaVisca Chenault. As LaVisca Chenault was to Colorado when he was there, Mookie Cooper is going to be to Missouri. He they, they just want to get the ball in his hands by whatever means possible. So I think he's a guy that would literally have been an afterthought for me if he had stayed at Ohio State in, in C2C drafts. And now he goes in the top 10 rounds virtually everywhere. Um, it's actually been very, very difficult to draft him because I think, I think I'm think i ready to take him, and then somebody else jumps in. Um, there's been the story of the offseason, but Cooper's just – he's helped himself so much and to be able to feature in an offense like that. I mean, Chenault was a second round NFL draft pick. Cooper's a little smaller. Like I said, like I said, I'm not comping them, but he could be a day two guy. If he goes there and just you know, crushes.
1: Yeah. I, I think, you know, like I said, with Tanner Mordecai that, you know, it's tough to find a wide receiver or a quarterback that, you know, help themselves more in the transfer portal. I think it's very, very difficult to find a wide receiver that helped themselves more in the transfer portal, than Mookie Cooper. Um, You know, everybody obviously thought he had the talent going to Ohio State. He was a, what, top 15? He was number 16, so right outside Um, it. Right outside. Very close. He was a a top guy at his position, four-star guy. The talent was always there. He just needed the opportunity. And I think Missouri is a place that he's obviously going to get it, but I think that that's a passing attack that is – going to whoever is the quarterback there, I think is going to be able to sustain a solid passing attack. Um, obviously we believe it's going to be Basilak. Uh, but if Tyler Macon takes the job from him, then he obviously had to have really, really impressed. And that would also lead you to believe that he can sustain a passing attack there too. And I think Missouri is a team that's going to be trailing in a lot of games. Um, you know, so I think that they're going to need to use him. I think they're going to throw the ball a, a lot. I, you know, I think a thousand yards is probably pretty close for him. If you set the over under at a thousand yards, um, I would probably lean to the under, but it depends on the way that the bet was juiced. You know, I could very, very easily see it going over.
0: Yeah, I could too. Um, it, it, it'll be right around there. Um, and that offense, that whole Missouri offense is kind of like a, you know, a offense that could be very, very good for fantasy purposes this year that you don't have to spend significant draft capital on anybody outside mm-hmm. of Cooper and even Cooper, you know, an eighth round pick a ninth round pick. Like you're not spending a fourth, right? And then, you know, Tyler Beatty, uh, Connor Bazelak, you know, if, if you think there's a wide receiver too, that can do anything there. Dom, Dom, Dominic Lovett's a nice stash. Um, so yeah, just a, just a, an offense that, that maybe is worth looking a little closer at as you get toward the end of your C2C drafts.
1: Yeah. I- Completely agree. Um, You know, if we ever bring back, you know, offenses offensive breakdowns at some point, you know, I think that that's that would be a great one to do.
0: Yeah. Um, Grant Canell, I almost put him down. Um, So, uh, but I I I felt it was a little bit of a sideways move, so that's why I didn't put it. But I'm interested to hear what you say.
1: I don't think it's a sideways move because Arizona was so bad and I don't think they're really going to be much better at all this year. And I can't name anybody on that offense that I'm really interested in at all. Whereas Memphis has a couple options. You know, they have, they always have a solid running game to support. They have Calvin Austin, who we like a lot. Um, Sean Dykes, the tight end, also a very solid option. Um, I like, um Samir Nash as a guy to be like a bit of a sleeper transfer from pretty sure it was Arkansas.
0: It was, yeah.
1: Yeah. So he's a guy that I like as a sleeper there a little bit in that offense, but they have pieces there. So, you know, he has some weapons, whereas in Arizona there was nothing. So I don't think it was a lateral move. But also Missouri or Memphis, everybody likes to think of their offense with the rushing attack. And and, you know, rightfully so. Look at the running backs that they put in the NFL recently and Pollard, and they put in um, Henderson, Gibson, Gainwell. They're constantly churning out running backs there. But Memphis also has had a very effective passing offense the last two years. Uh, they were 18th in passing offense this past year and 18th in passing offense in 2019. So, you know, they're, they, they can get some good production there. And uh, Brady White, former Memphis quarterback there, uh, was the QB 26 last year. Average 20, just over 25 fantasy points per game. So, you know, right there in usable fantasy territory. I, I think Grant El could very reasonably do that as well. I mean, he's very similar, I think, to Brady White. Um, you know, they're neither of them are very electric with their legs. You know, they're more definitely more of the passers. Um, you know, they're not, neither of them are really afraid to throw the ball downfield. Um, so I think that it, you know, that offense sets itself up nicely for Grant Cannell as well. But, uh, you know, even beyond that, I think that he's going to be able to improve as a quarterback better there than probably he would have been able to do in Arizona. Now Jed fish is there now. So, you know, jury's out on how well I think he could be able to produce a quarterback and improve a quarterback cause he does have some NFL experience. So we'll see on that front. But I think that, you know, he, my, one of my biggest things with Grant Canelli needs to improve his footwork in the pocket does not really slide well at times. He takes some unnecessary sacks. Um, so I think that was something that he really needed there as well. And, you know, I'm hopeful that he could get it there and Memphis and, you know, develop into a point where he could be a usable, you know, a fan, an NFL option, you know, maybe not a first round guy, but like a second or, or a third round pick a day two pick. But even if he doesn't, I think he's still going to have a really nice year these next two years fantasy wise.
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm much lower on him than um, like Matt is. Well, for instance,
1: nobody's higher on Ganell than Matt.
0: I don't even think Ganell's parents are as high on him as, as Matt is. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like, I, I don't think there's NFL upside really. If you really, if you, if you made me give you a real answer, no, but yeah, there, there should be some, some upside there. And Memphis always has some sort of, Weird weapons there, come in all shapes and sizes. Like you never really know what they're going to be, um, but but yeah. So I would agree with that. I think that's fair. Um, my third guy I put, and I, I really went back and forth on whether I wanted to put him down or not. It, it's Trey Bradford who's transferring from LSU to Oklahoma. LSU is kind of a black hole for RB right now. It's a lot of bodies, and we're not really sure how we feel about any of them. You know uh, Tyrion Davis price, Meh. John Emery, Meh. Um, we, we think we like Corey Kiner, uh, but we haven't seen him yet. Amari Armani Goodwin's the same exact way. Um, so Bradford transferring to Oklahoma feels really good because he kind of fills the Eric gray role that we think he's going to play this year. It just seems like a seamless transition. And then you look at who Oklahoma's got committed for next year and they have uh, Rayleigh Brown, who is the number two RB in the composite, who's 5'8", 185. And they have Gavin Sawchuck, who's the number three RB in the country, who's 5'11", 185. And Bradford himself is 5'11", 193. So you can see kind of where I'm going with this. <laughs> they're all similarly sized. And I think stylistically, they're pretty similar too. Um, I don't really think Sawchuck is as good as his rating. And Brown is okay. Uh, it, it's one of those situations where I c- I can't rank them any higher than I will because they can't gain the weight to be you know high in NFL draft picks. Um, it, it would be shocking to me, um, but they but they're both going to still fill that same role that he has. So I'm a little less enthused about it. We'll see if both of them end up signing with them. Um, but regardless, you know Bradford going from the black hole to a place that knows how to use running backs and you know can support multiple. You just hope that he doesn't get washed out by two other guys that seem stylistically to do the same exact things that he can do.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's my biggest concern with Bradford is next year, you know how that's going to all shake out. But like you touched on it, he did himself a favor for sure by going to Oklahoma. So, you know, whether he toiled away in mediocrity in LSU or he toils away in mediocrity at Oklahoma, you know, does it really matter either way? So, I think that going to Oklahoma, he at least has a better chance of stepping up and securing a, a, a solid, sizable role in that backfield next year. Um, given that the other two guys they're bringing in aren't going to be true freshmen, you know, I could see Riley leaning on him and his experience there as well. Plus, he'll have an extra year in the system. So, I think that he definitely helped himself with that. I'm just not overly bullish on his fantasy or future potential, but again, you know, like you said, he's like I said, he he definitely helped himself for sure.
0: And I will say he's so cheap in drafts right now. Yeah. um, That, that he is, he's like, I just scoop him, and I don't, I don't intend to get anything from him this year. Um, But you, you kind of just cross your fingers and hope uh, for the future. So we each just named three guys that we think helped our, helped themselves, but as we've seen you know with just the floodgates opening to the transport portal as much good as there was that came out of the situation, there was a lot of bad. and I still think the system, as we've talked about before is not they have, they had they did this was not a solution to a to the problem, this was just created other problems. This is like, you know, it's not to do any spoilers, but this is like the Loki thing. <laughs> like you're you're kind of solving one problem, but you're opening up a bunch of others. Where a lot of these kids, I, I forget what the percentage is. I wish I had it in front of me, but an absurd amount of kids that that left D one programs did not land at other Division one programs. They're either still in the portal or they went down. That that's a problem. I'm not sure many kids expected that to happen. Um, so th- there's there's going to need to be some some issues to iron out here. But we each picked one guy that found a home that maybe didn't
1: do so hot. Um, so, Colin, who do you got? Uh, yeah, mine's a guy that we talked a little bit about once already when his transfer was announced, and we both like universally hated it. And that's uh, Puka Nakua going from Washington to Utah. I mean, overall, no, he went to BYU. Sorry, BYU. I'm sorry. Yeah. His brother went to, um, went from Utah to BYU with him. I appreciate that. Good looks. Um, but either, yeah, either way, I, I think that going to BYU there, we don't know what that passing attack is going to look like this year with out Zach Wilson there. You know, we're not even really sure who the starter is going to be at quarterback. You know, like you touched on was that two last week, two weeks ago, Uh, By somebody that you were like looking at stashes. Um, Oh
0: yeah. Jaron Hall. Yeah. But you know, I named the the litany of quarterbacks that aren't very good that are competing for that job.
1: Right. Yeah. So we're not even really, we're not even really sure who's going to start their quarterback. They lost their OC in Jeff Grimes. We don't really know what that offense is going to look like in general. They do still have Gunnar Romney there. They have Isaac Rex as, as two options in the passing attack. And he didn't do anything at Washington in his years there. It was it did not stand out at all. Um despite his hype coming in, you know, and he was a wide he was the wide receiver 22 in his class, he was a four-star guy and just you know, he had a lot of good offers, you know, Oregon offered him, USC offered him, ends up picking Washington, does nothing. So he's a guy that I'm just pretty much completely out on. Um I wasn't overly enthused before he left Washington but at least that room was a little bit more wide open, and I felt a little bit better about that situation. Whereas going to BYU, I don't really know what to expect from him, but I, I don't think it's going to be very good.
0: Yeah, we talked about with uh, Tanner Mordecai how he went from a place where he definitely wasn't going to start to maybe a place mm-hmm. where he could start. Yeah. And I think Puka went to a, from a place where, like, he could start but at least had a good quarterback to a place where he could start but he has a shitty court like <laughs> it's kind of like the inverse of what Mordecai did um it's a little confusing to me I think he's basically done um like I don't think he's really rosterable or like barely, but I'm just not sure what to expect from that BYU offense at this point, you know, losing but, as many guys on the line as they did losing Zach Wilson, uh, you know, lose. They have, they have Isaac Rex coming back and then, and Tyler Algier, maybe they try to establish the run a little bit more. I really don't know what, what they do. So I'm with you. I think not that I don't like, I don't know if Puka, maybe they told Puka to get out at Washington. <laughs> Cause I hadn't heard overwhelmingly great things about him there. Yeah. Uh, but you have to think that he, might've been able to position himself a little bit better than that. Maybe it's the only place that would take him and his brother kind of feel like they were a package deal. I don't
1: yeah, know. they probably were. And like I said, his brother went Utah to BYU, but I his w- brother didn't do anything at Utah either.
0: I wish my brother was good enough. at something that like I could have opened doors for me to like, just be totally unqualified and do whatever he's doing. <laughs> um, un- unfortunately um, he is not. So here we are. Um, I put Tosh Washington.
1: It was a guy I was considering as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and I don't think it was bad at the time. Like I I I think there was some sense there that, you know, they just lost Vaughns and they lost um <clears throat> uh Amon Ra, and the year before that they lost Pittman. It's a lot of attrition at the wide receiver position. Um but they are, you know, they 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 were thought to have a deep wide receiver room, a lot of question marks. You had Brew McCoy, who I think is a huge question mark still. I'm not sold on Brew McCoy. You have Drake London, obviously, um, and then it was like, well, Gary Bryant was highly rated. The coaching staff, like, some what's the skill set lineup with there, you know a couple of decent freshmen coming in this year, but none of them that were like high four stars or five stars that you expected to be knocking on the door right away. So you just thought, okay, like Taj Washington going there, they'll probably use him to stretch the field a little bit. That seems like a good matchup. And then it sounds like they really like Michael Jackson, the third. And then they brought in Jake Smith. And now all of a sudden you're like, okay, like where does this kid actually play now? Like I think that he has been subsequently squeezed out by some of this other things that have happened this offseason. I feel kind of bad for him. You know, he probably saw those, you know, ah, I get to go from Memphis to USC, and now he's going to learn the really hard lesson that, yeah, but you a school like USC and there's a lot of competition for spots. I'm just not sure that he's going to feature like he thought he would at USC like he would have. At Memphis so for that reason I think that he he really screwed himself
1: a little bit yeah I completely agree he definitely hurt himself like going to USC a situation like you touched on where we have no idea what role he's gonna have there's a lot of people there whereas if he had stayed at Memphis like I touched on with you know with Grant Cannell like their passing attack is, is solid every year you know Grant Cannell I think is a solid quarterback where he can, you know, if nothing else, I think he'll be a solid college quarterback and he can help his wide receivers to have some production and, you know, hopefully get drafted, but you know, they, they have some other options there, but Taj Washington would have been the very clear cut number two to Calvin Austin at worst, you know, and I'm not even saying that he couldn't have, you know, usurped Calvin Austin. I, I don't know if he would have, but it would have been a lot closer Whereas USC, like you said, you know, Drake London is pretty much assumed like he's going to be the guy there this year. You know, they're, you know, he's, he's the one everybody's hyping up. Um, but then, you know, like you said, the, Gary Bryant Jr., Jake Smith, they bring in Michael Jackson. The third looks very good. Brew McCoy, Kyle Ford, whatever you think about those guys, they're there. So, yeah, definitely hurt himself.
0: Yeah, and so it goes. Um, it's always a little questionable when you see like the small school guy go to the big school, you wonder. Um, and this was certainly not a great one. All right, so, and like we said, we're going to do the flip side of what we did last week. Talked about players that we have zero of. Um, now we're going to talk about players that we have a lot of across our leagues. Um, so, Colin, your first guy is somebody that <laughs> I have zero of. So.
1: <laughs> well, let me just start by saying that my first, First, my, the quarterbacks that I have the most are guys that we've already talked about a ton and not that we haven't talked about this guy, like a good amount, but I have a lot of Jackson dart. I have a lot of Tanner Mordecai, two guys. We just talked a lot about there. Um, I have a good amount of Preston stone, somebody else that we talked about, obviously my guy Hudson card. I have a lot of shares of him too. So those are guys that we've kind of like talked a lot about or beat to death and, You know, like I said, this is a guy we've talked about some too, but that's Ty Thompson at Oregon. Um, I think I have him in two places uh, or two or three. I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head. At least two. Uh, He's a guy that I still like a lot. Um, He's yeah, I I don't think much of Anthony Brown, so I don't think it's unreasonable that uh, Anthony Brown shits the bed in week one to Ohio State and they need a spark and they bring Ty Thompson in. don't think that's outside the realm of possibility, but even if they don't, still don't really think that much of Anthony Brown and he's going to be gone next year anyway. Whereas Ty Thompson, high four-star guy, number four pro-style quarterback, number 39 prospect overall. He is the highest recruit that uh, Mario Cristobal and Oregon have ever gotten since the ranking started in 2001. Chris Ball could not stop gushing about him all offseason, you know, during the spring and leading up to when he got signed. Um uh, he was the alpha dog of the Elite Eleven. He's got all the physical tools you want. So I like Ty Thompson a lot. I like him to step into that role next year. And I know you have something to say about that. So I'll let you, I'll let you say your piece here.
0: Yeah. Um the dirty little secret about the Oregon um quarterback position and it's um you know it I don't I'm not saying just go out and buy Robbie Ashford but what I am <laughs> saying is that the coaching st- he's not playing baseball anymore the coaching staff has been raving about him this offseason he is a very rare athlete for the position 6'4 220 has like a 40 inch vert like a crazy 40 he was a top dual threat one of the top Dual threat guys in his class, played at Hoover. I'm pretty sure he was George Pickens' quarterback there, if I remember correctly, um, down in Alabama. So powerhouse program, you know, he he knows how to deal with all of this stuff. Um, I would keep an eye on him. I would keep an eye on him. I don't think there is an obvious, like I like we just talked about earlier, offenses with obvious successors. Oregon is not. A team with an obvious successor, whatever you want to think about Ty Thompson. Because um, they also have what? They have Butterfield. Eh, and um, uh, uh, is there somebody else? No, that's it. Anthony. Not Johnson. really. Yeah. That's it. So it, a lot of different guys, but the Ashford, just there, there is upside there. Like I talked about with Jaron Hall a couple of weeks ago. You know, he might be, yeah, you know, I don't know how good of a quarterback he is, but that is where there is fantasy upside sitting there in front of you. Might be worth a stash, Lee.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that Ashford's worth a stash late because I don't think he's, like, getting drafted, like, at all. I think he's on waivers in a lot of leagues.
0: I um, don't – I do not believe he is in our ADP machine. Or if he is, he's, like, nothing, like 400.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a guy that I, I liked uh, coming in last year. Um, you know, I thought that he had a very, very high ceiling, like you're saying, very, very good athlete. All the tools you're looking for in a quarterback. Um, so he was, and, and Ty Thompson wasn't on board at that point last year. So, you know, he, at, Robbie Ashford was a guy that I had stashed, but I'm pretty sure I have since dropped him everywhere. Um, maybe I need to go pick him back up because, yeah, he, he did quit baseball. Now, part of the reason he did quit baseball is because he got usurped there as well. Um, you know, he was competing for a starting spot in the outfield before one of their other guys came in and started 24 of the last 25 games that year. So, you know, this year, so it's a little bit of a, yes, he did quit baseball, but I think that he doesn't really fit in in either place at this point. You know, it's great that you can be a D one athlete in, in both sports. Like I could never do that. Very few people can ever do that, but he needs a lot of refinement at quarterback um i you know his his accuracy issues he plays way better outside of structure than in structure if you ask him to throw the ball in structure he struggles with ball placement a lot uh wide receivers are constantly having to adjust to the ball from from what i was watching on his his college tape or his high school tape those are the notes that i have on him there but i think that yeah big time upside with ashford and it's not as clear cut as other positions are so yeah i will definitely acknowledge that
0: cool yeah um so i put Jaden delara as my my quarterback that i'm all in on um i don't know if i have him the most like i have a spreadsheet that has all of my my teams on it um it's close um but he's just and i i just actually should be coming out here in the next day or two just finished my um zero QB volume four. I talked about some of my, my mid round quarterback prospects I like to go after. And I put the on that list. Um, and you know, I think he's talented, uh, like just, just personally him as the player. I think he's a very talented player, but what I really like about him on top of that is the system there that Nick Rolovich runs, uh, that he brought over from Hawaii to Washington state last year, you know, in four games last year, uh, Jaden DeLara completed 61% of his passes for 886 yards, five touchdowns, four interceptions. Not that sexy, but true freshman, four games, COVID year. I, I, he looked good. He has a nice arm. You know, he, He's fairly accurate. I think he has a lot of room to grow there. But what you really like about him is that if you look at Hawaii over the last four years, here is the, the amount of passing attempts that their starting quarterbacks have. Starting in 2016, 209, or three thirty five. 412, 484, 511. Nick Rolovich passes a ton. And, you know, just like he's never had a guy. The last two guys were Cole McDonald and Drew Brown. Neither of those guys are as talented as Jaden Villar is. And Cole McDonald as a senior in 2019 put up, uh, you know, 326 for 511 uh, for 4,135 yards, 33 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. That is within, probably not this season, but within Jaden DeLar's range of outcomes after this year. And I think he can. He has an outside chance to be an NFL draft guy, depending on how he develops. Uh, and his, his cost is minimal. He goes, like, in the 20th round or something. I think a lot of that had to do with the DUI that he got in February. Sounds like he's out of the doghouse. His competition this year is the aforementioned Jarrett. That we talked about earlier, who <laughs> sucks so bad. He transferred to Washington State and literally his first pass of their spring game, he threw a pick six. <laughs> he's terrible. anybody that says that 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 he's not gonna take back this job, Delara is absolutely kidding themselves. Go buy Jaden Delara now.
1: Yeah, I think Jaden Delara is a great call. Um he like you said, he's definitely been flying under the radar since his DUI. Um you know, that's obviously a concern. You know, that's some shows some poor decision making, but you know, he's a college student and Mac Jones had what, like three DUIs or something like that? Two or
0: three, something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh, you know, not condoning DUIs or anything like that, but you know, the NFL doesn't care as much about that, you know. So I think that like you touched on there, fantastic college quarterback fantastic fantasy producer in college there um and then nfl upside maybe question mark we don't know yet uh could see it this year i think you could see it shake out this year but he's got more than than some people
0: i will say i do worry a little bit it's like the mike leach thing where like the system just does not allow some of these quarterbacks to show what they can really do So, I I do worry a little bit about that in in relation to his tools versus what the NFL will ultimately think of him. But here we are. So, yeah. Yeah. Running back, Colin. Um,
1: My running back is a guy that I've mentioned a couple, you know, once or twice on here, but he's not a guy that I beat to death or anything like that. But um, it's Austin Jones from Stanford. Uh, He's a guy that I have in a lot of places. He's a guy that, I try to snag everywhere. He's somebody that I target pretty much everywhere and he's just flying under the radar because Stanford only played six games last year. I think a lot, the pac 12 in general has a lot of exploitable players. I think you can find a lot of really good value in the pac 12 right now. And Austin Jones is a great example of that. I mean, he finished last year now granted six game sample size. So, you know, I think that there you, you could see some regression there, but he finished thir- as the 13th um, RB in fantasy purposes. And the guys ahead of him, um, Najee Harris, gone. Javante Williams, gone. Um, Demetric Felton, gone. Jamar Jefferson, gone. Ramondre Stevenson, gone. So there's a lot. And Travis Etienne, who was right behind him, also gone. So there's a lot of room at the top, I think. And I think that Austin Jones... Is at the very least going to be a borderline fantasy RB one for you for your college team. Um, He also catches the ball very well, so it's not like he's a liability in that department. So he brings some value to you in the PP, you know, PPR. He had 22 catches through six games last year. Um, So at the very, very minimum, I think he's going to be very, very usable um, and very fit starter. Or uh, a uh, high-end fantasy starter for you at, at the running back position, but then on top of that, you know, I also think he's got a, a lot of traits that you know you like to see at the position. Like I said, he catches the ball very well. You know, I think he's very patient uh, as a runner. I think he's got really good vision as well. His biggest knock, I don't know what his high-end athlete. I don't know what his athleticism looks like. You know, that he may be a little bit limited in that regard. Um, So that may limit his ceiling a little bit, but I'm still a believer in his NFL potential as well. So he's a guy that I'm targeting or that I have pretty much everywhere.
0: Um, It's funny. We were talking about this a little bit before the show. And I I like Austin Jones, just how my strategy is shaped up this offseason. I don't draft running back in the range that he goes in. So for me, like I, I don't have any Austin Jones and it's not out of me not liking him. And it's not even out of like the cost is too high. I think his ADP is very fair. It's just, I hit RB, you know, those first three rounds and then I hit wide receiver for like the next seven. So he just doesn't really fit into to what I've been doing. Um, but yeah, I think he has every chance to be a, a top, you know, not, not top three or five or whatever, but you know, he can certainly be a, a reliable and even more than that starting running back. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see how that shakes out with the NFL process after this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I put Gabe Irvin, who surprisingly, as I sat down to think about this, I don't think we've talked about him that much. Uh,
1: Not here. You people in the Discord love him.
0: They love. I, you are love, in there. Who doesn't love there. some Gabe Irvin?
1: It's a good point. You're in yeah. there. Alfred's in there. You guys have been driving the fan club. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, and credit to Alfred. I think he was the first one that watched him. Um, I don't think I'd watched him before he did. Six one one ninety is what he's listed at. So he does need to gain a little bit of weight. I thought he was a little bit bigger than that, though. Uh, he was the, the freshman this year, true freshman, forty third RB in the class. Um, but it sounds like he just really, really impressed them in spring, and he had he really seized an opportunity with uh, Marquis Stepp, I believe was out. Um, uh, someone else was injured too. I don't remember if it was Marvin Scott the third or Sevion Morrison, but one of those other guys was out. He f- flashed. That coaching staff really likes him. He's dynamic. He he you know he led his. His high school in Georgia to the state championship and was named all state. Georgia is a, a high school football hotbed for him to do that is very, very impressive. And you just look at their depth chart, some of the names he's competing with you know, the I, I mentioned Sevian Morrison and Marvin Scott, two guys that I kind of like, but like they aren't so amazing that, um, you know, I I, I expect anything out of them um, you see a Marquis step who's six foot 235 and then you have a bunch of guys that I've literally never heard of Yaquez Yant 6 225 like
1: to us go jogging. Ra- <laughs> <laughs> oh man
0: that's I haven't heard that reference in a long time Thank you uh, <laughs> uh, yeah not ranked by the composite he walked on. Got a scholarship this past offseason. He's probably in one of those feel-good videos where, like, the, the person calls and, like, everyone goes, hey, on scholarship now. <laughs> um, Not a threat. Ramir Johnson, 5'10", 185. He was a three-star two years ago. He's played six games. He has eight for 30 and one on the ground and six for 33 in the air. There has been no competition for touches here, people. It was Wandale Robinson and then nothing. Like, it's not like these guys were benched by a stud. You have just uh, – let me just pull up the rest of their RB roster here. Oh, I think it reloaded it. I don't know if I have it. Oh, there we go. Yes. So uh, Grant Lore, Cooper Jewett, Zach Weenmaster, Bo nice. P- Kacinchik, <laughs> Trayvon Lubin, like uh, Matthew Schuster. I've literally never heard of any of these dudes before. They are not a threat to this kid.
1: Game Zach Wienmaster might be. That's a, that's a strong name.
0: I have a feeling his name is probably Winemaster but I wanted to say Wienmaster because it was a lot more fun. Yes. Um, so, but, like, it's just a lot of nothing there, like, to be honest. I, I don't see any reason why he doesn't get significant touches this year, and I think he's the starter by next season. So, Go go geek! I have a I have I have him everywhere basically.
1: I like Gabe Urban. I I, I definitely do. Uh, unfortunately for me, I'm in a lot of leagues with you. You know, and you have him everywhere, like you just said. So I I don't think I actually have him anywhere. Um, it's not for lack of want. I do like him. My, I will say my only concern with him is Scott Frost potentially being gone after this year if Nebraska does not play well again um and then at that point who knows who they're bringing in you know it could be a different system so it's hard to say what the future holds at nebraska beyond this year Uh, so that's where i temper expectations a little bit but i still think he's the most talented back on that roster i think that even if they bring in another coaching staff I don't see them bringing in another running back. That's more talented. Nebraska is not a transfer hotbed. So while I'm tempering expectations a little bit, I'm not overly concerned about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not drafting him to start him every week in 2021. If you're doing that, that's not, not great process there. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think he's a top 24 guy starting in 2022 or close to that. So, um, and I think he has NFL draft potential. just need to see him gain a little bit more weight. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. You're you're in Nebraska. Eat some eat some, eat corn. some corn. Yeah. <laughs> eat something good.
1: All right. Well, uh, wide receiver. Uh, and again, another guy that I've talked about a couple times. It's just difficult to talk about players you're all in on and, and not talk about players you've already talked about. So wide receiver I'm all in on is Malik McLean a freshman wide receiver at Florida state. Uh, He was not an unheralded recruit because he was a four-star guy, but he was the number 42 wide receiver in the class. So you had to scroll down the list a little bit to find him. Um, Now he did come from IMG Academy as well. So, you know, that's obviously like a big school. That's a hotbed for NFL talent. Um, But beyond that, going to Florida state, Everybody at the beginning of the year was all over Destin Hill. And for good reason. You know, Destin Hill looks like a very, very good receiver. I like Destin Hill a lot. But he's not enrolled. He's not on campus. He's not going there at all this year from what I can tell. You know, it could end up being a little bit of a situation like the guy you're going to talk about next, uh, where, you know, maybe he just enrolls next year. So this could potentially look like a dumb take next year Maybe. Because Destin Hill is very, very talented. But as it stands right now, Malik McLean is the most talented wide receiver on Florida State's roster. Um, you know, they don't have anything else. They brought in Andrew Parchment, but you know, he's a fifty or senior, I think. Is that right?
0: Parchment. Hmm. I know he's old enough to collect social security, but I don't remember exactly how many years he's been in
1: college. (laughs) He's been in here for a while.
0: I think his freshman year was, was either 16 or 17. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah, but he's, he's been here for a while. It hasn't really done a whole lot. I mean, I think he'll probably lead that offense this year in receiving, um, but Malik McLean is a rocked up. He's six, four, two Oh one is what, um, They have him listed at on twenty four seven, and I I should have pulled up what they have him on Florida State's website here as. But um, I mean, either way, he's a big alpha profile. Uh, He's also he's he's athletic, you know. He's very explosive. Um, Runs a of four five in the forty, and you know he's he's the type of receiver too that just goes up and gets the ball very strong hands. So I think at the worst, uh, he's going to be a vertical threat. I think he's going to be a, you know, to use a guy that was also on Florida state, a Tamori Terry esque type of a receiver. Um, and then, you know, obviously he he's going to need to develop his route running. He's going to need to refine the technical part of his game a bit more, but, you know, I think that he's got some years to do that, and I think working—if he can work with Mackenzie Milton, we're, we're assuming Mackenzie Milton steals that job or, or takes it here. So, um, you know, if he if he does, I think he has a decent year this year, but he's still more of a play for next year. I think you know he's got all the potential there in the world, but Florida State has been hyping him up this offseason. So while it is a bit of a future play, he may provide you some value this year, and he's just going really, really late. You know, I don't really see too many other people hyping him up besides us on this show and and a lot of it me. But, you know, I think that he's a guy you can get some some really good value on late, um, even despite having a very good spring.
0: I cannot believe that you want to try to put him in the same sentence as Morant Terry. And that's not a comment on <laughs> any sort of recently discovered uh, illegal activity on the part of Terry. Um, he's just not even close to that level of athlete. And
1: no, I was saying more about the role that he was going to form, play like, on that offense.
0: But the thing is, like, they moved Terry all around. Like, I think he's literally a big jump ball downfield guy, and that's it. He strikes me as the kind of guy that flashes this year and then gets way too much hype and then they actually bring in somebody that's good next year and it just (laughs) kind of, like, washes him out completely. Um, I mean, he's not, like, terrible, but, like, if if he's your leading receiver at Florida State,
1: you should not feel good about your passing game at all, in my opinion. I don't disagree with that sentiment, but he is also an incoming freshman. So, um,
0: I i i I mean i don't dislike him it's just like is there nfl upside i really don't know and it's really hard to say because he deputized to Corey brooks at img so like wasn't right. the guy yeah. there either so it's like well what the hell like i really don't know but um I, he goes all over the place some drafts he goes really early and some drafts he goes really late i really don't know i really don't know
1: interesting uh yeah i I end up with a lot of shares of him because I take him pretty late. Like I take him thirties, somewhere in the Mm thirties, you know? And at that point I think he's got really good upside.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I chose Elijah Badger. Um, I I talked a little bit about this. I hopped on Alfred's pod. Why wait till Sunday a couple of weeks ago. Um, Definitely the highest profile guy he's had on his interview series yet. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah
1: yeah <laughs> Peter, Colin, Peter who
0: Colin just gave his face <laughs> He's like uh uh yeah Chris Hummer who yeah um <laughs> uh Sam Holt who yeah he's had a lot of big names on there um I, I am definitely the the smallest Kate, person he's had Duke, yeah magic who <laughs> yeah um uh, but but we were talking about like kind of how he approaches and especially in like bigger deeper leaks how he will just hit everybody on a depth chart and I'm like, I, hit, I do the opposite. I, I would just take the cheapest guy. And that's why I was talking. I have a lot of Christian Leary. I have a lot of, um, like, uh, of the um, LSU freshman, like, it's switched. Like, for a while, I had a lot of Chris Hilton. Now I'm getting a little bit more Brian Thomas, who seems to go pretty late because he's the cheapest of the three now. Uh, but Elijah Badger is very much that way as well. He, he's cheaper than L V Bunkley Shelton. I have a lot of Bunkley Shelton, too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but Badger just is cheaper and possesses pretty nice upside. You know, they're, they, uh, the coaching staff, similarly to Mookie Cooper, just wants to get the ball in his hands any way possible. He, j- he, he is in the Brandon, a uke. A pro, you know, type of template of player that they had there. Um, so, like that—that that is definitely in his range of outcomes. That offense should be pretty good this year. What happens after this year with the NCAA sanctions? I really don't know, um, but I think that he is probably their wide receiver too moving forward. You know, Bunkley Shelton cleans up a lot of the stuff underneath. Badgers of field stretcher sweeps, manufacturer touches, kind of guy. Very good athlete. So I—I I think you know, I—I I, I like him. I know you like him too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like I like Badger a lot too. You don't have to sell me on Badger. Um, Yeah, and he's a guy that I scooped up in a lot of places last year. But um, you know, I think until I don't want to say like that he was like definitely under the radar until we started talking about him. But you know, I think he was. I don't think he was nearly as talked about as often, especially because he didn't play at all last year because of the academics issue, Um, which like I touched on. You know, that could be a Dustin Hill situation. Uh, where doesn't play at all and then comes in and doesn't really lose too much hype. But, yeah, I like Elijah Badger a lot, and I think he's going to have that wide receiver two role secured in that offense because I don't really like a lot of the other guys there. Um, Johnny, um, Johnny Wilson? Is that yeah. it? Yeah. Johnny Wilson, not a huge fan. Chad Johnson Jr., meh. We don't uh, know. Yeah, yeah, probably not. But, yeah. They brought in a transfer, too. I wasn't super impressed with him. I think it's the one from Utah. Thompson,
0: yeah, that kid from Utah. I don't remember what his first name is.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, not super impressed there. They don't bring in anybody this year. So, yeah, I think it's a wide-open role for him. Yeah, um, I, I really, really agree. Um, so that's going to do it for our
0: show this week, guys. Um, again, if you guys are not tuning into the other shows here on the Campus to Canton website, why, Alfred's Why Wait Till Sunday, The Debbie Debate, uh, featuring yours truly um, and um, uh fancy football roundtable as well. Uh, we just hired a few new writers that are going to be dropping some content here soon. I don't believe I've been on the show since we brought Brandon Hay on, and then we just brought on uh, Mr. Dirty Mike uh, today as <laughs> well. Um, so very excited to have all the, these new faces around um, And Yeah, we're there's going to be some conference breakdown preview stuff coming up here a lot of other stuff in the works that I can't quite talk about yet, but the chat's been blowing up while we've been recording here and it's going to be really, really <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, be, be on the lookout for all that kind of stuff guys. Uh, but until next week, I am Austin
1: and this is Colin.
0: I have a good one guys.